Best of Us Investors presents Kerry Griegmeier. For those of you who don't know, this is my son, Trent. He has done another video with me. Trent is an active uh, financial advisor. He's licensed in Alabama, Florida, and numerous other states. And he did a video with me that we got a tremendous reaction from um, about two weeks ago. And we titled it, Let's Talk About the Markets. And that's what we want to do today, because we have a lot of things up in the air right now. Um, everything from our president with uh, the coronavirus to a new um, Supreme Court justice to a pandemic that we're going into second wave to another stimulus program, which our president just said it isn't going to happen until after the election. So there's a lot up in the air. And when we're in that kind of position, you need to really give some thought as to how you're invested and create a plan that you can follow until the circumstances change and get that person in your head under control. So what do you think about the markets, Trent? <laughs> well, they're exciting. And I, I was telling a, a, a prospect the other day, I said, I really love this time because I love volatility. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, it. I'm not the kind of like just even go kind of person. No. I like I like volatility. And I think volatility really proves where you stand and where your where your knowledge base is. Okay. Okay. I I'll be straight up and honest. I am smarter today than I was before March 11th of this year. I think most of us are. Yeah, well, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. And here, Oh, you don't think most of us are smarter? No. Okay. No, I Tell think, me why you say that. Well, I say that because of the, the, uh, the conversations I've had with people about what they're thinking about markets, about economies, the whole bit. And in our last video, I mentioned the, the liquidity phase, the hope phase, mm -hmm. and now the insolvency phase. I am still, I'm, I'm driving up here today. Trent lives in Florida. I live in Alabama. And I am listening to the talking heads on CNBC yeah. and these geniuses who are of, of the Fed. This one person, this lady saying, she says, we're growing, we're recovering, <laughs> we're all this. And I'm like... Wait a second. Wait a second. You have 800,000 people who file jobless claims every yeah. Thursday on average. Yeah. And you have over 20 million people unemployed. Okay? You're not... And more well, being unemployed yes, every day. The number of worked working hours per person who are actually working is higher today than it was pre-COVID. And that is because, because companies are, are getting their employees to work more to get more out of them to more get more out of them, but to avoid hiring because huh? they don't know the future of their company. That that's... they don't need to know the future of the economy. Okay, so now you're in a situation where we're we have enormous amount of group of people are just. Hope. Oh, this is going to recover. Yeah. This is all going to happen. When you inflate a, a balloon with helium and you just keep inflating, at some point it will blow, right? So you. So here's my concern. 
Um, today, I had a, a my me and my my team had a meeting with we manage four hundred one k plans for companies. Okay. okay, and we had a meeting with this prospect, and we do the first meeting is an introduction, who we are, thirty minutes, blah blah blah. Let us show you some value. So we do a. a um, a, a investment analysis on their lineup. So today was a presentation of that investment analysis. And what blew me away was that number one, n nobody's been paying attention to this for at least 10 years. Uh, to, to, to their 401k. To the 401k, like, the allocation. Okay. It just hasn't been actively managed, okay. right? But the biggest holding, this is multi-million dollar 401k plan okay. for the company, many employees in it, right? The biggest holding is this large cap growth fund, okay? okay. Which has done stellar. Would it be one of my big six? No, the, the oh, growth it, fund, it's a large cap mutual, growth mutual, mutual fund. fund. Okay. Okay. okay, a fund. Okay. And so you got holdings in it. It's okay. one of the largest out there. Okay. 30% of the assets in that fund are in five of your big six. <laughs> okay. We, have, we know who those are. Okay. So I look at that and I go, that is an enormous amount of risk concentrated in one air in five companies in a full-on retirement plan. Okay. Here's why I get freaked out about it. I mentioned beta last time. Yes. Okay. Let me explain what beta is and how we're going to use this in portfolio construction. Okay. Beta is a measurement of risk. So if okay. I use the S&P 500, it has a beta of one. Okay. If I have a portfolio and it has a beta of say 0.65, that means I'm taking 65% of the risk of the S&P 500. Okay. So the S&P 500 goes up 10%, I go up 6.5%. But most importantly, and always, this is the number one thing you have to be asking yourself when building a portfolio, how much can I lose? Downside. Downside. Right. So if the S&P 500 goes down 10%, mm -hmm. that portfolio go down 6.5%. Okay. Okay, so go flashback to the great financial crisis, 07, 09, mm -hmm. okay? The average person from the bottom in March of 09, or April, March or April of 09, took four years to get back to where they were prior to 07. Okay, four okay. years. Four years, okay? Because they lost so much. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you lost 20%, uh, you got to you got to hammer out a, a 30 40% return Turn to make it, up your 20. Exactly. And it took 4 years because once you hit the bottom all of a sudden you become oh well maybe I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> all right? Maybe I should asset allocate and I reduce my risk mm -hmm. at the bottom and therefore your growth is not subsequently Exactly. Higher. Exactly. Because you've you've actually moved your beta down at the wrong time. Right. Okay. When you should have moved your your at the high. At the high. So okay. So beta is that that measurement of uh, volatility. Okay. In the portfolio. So if you take an individual stock, um, one of your six, mm -hmm. um, one of them has a beta of one point two eight. 
Okay. Okay. So he's 28% more volatile than the S&P 500. Or it's a signed benchmark, whichever Whatever that is. Whatever it is. Exactly. Okay. All right. So when I allocate my equity positions, I don't allocate any more than 6% to any one equity position. Okay. okay. But I then calculate in what the beta of that stock is. Okay. So if it's 1.28, the real allocation when it comes to risk is more like uh, 7.58 or something of that sort. Okay, so you're you're backing, you're moving up the allocation because it has a safer beta. No, no, no. I if I allocate six percent, mm-hmm. like that's okay. my allocation. Okay, my real risk factor is 7.58. Oh, okay. okay. So then I recalculate that down to maybe whatever the calculation right, is right. to get to 6%. Okay. Okay. So that's my equity position. So if mm-hmm. I'm bullish on the market mm-hmm. and I'm heavy equities, I I don't allocate any more than 6% to those to anything. Because okay. so that pretty much dictates you're going to have over 20 because if everyone was 5%, you'd have 20 stocks in your portfolio. Right. Okay. Okay. So if if I am full on 100% ultra aggressive, I have no right. I'm straight equities. Right. Okay. So I got a big it's a big portfolio, but it's a manageable portfolio and it's a portfolio that doesn't blow up based on one position's move. Okay. Okay. And that's where I think a lot of people uh can get really caught up in, you know, the hype of some of the this very narrow rally and that's what i'm seeing in that mutual fund mm-hmm. that all of a sudden that position those positions have grown to be 30 percent of the overall movement of that portfolio and it, that allocation percentage doesn't include the actual beta risk assignment to those positions so if, if uh, that one uh the average position is say five and a quarter percent allocated percentage wise mm-hmm. mm-hmm. look at its beta and it's probably more like six something okay 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 you following me i am okay I am. so so you you build this portfolio you figure out your your asset or your beta construction of that portfolio when markets go up so for instance our six percent position uh a month ago became 15 percent okay because of the high performance of that individual exactly. stock plus the beta so it's, it. it's it's financial number was higher it's out be, because because of the increase in its price it became 15 percent of our overall portfolio allocation. i understand okay. okay so we saw that you apply the beta mm-hmm. factor to it we saw we then you know first of all let's let's step back one step we, we look at volatility, so the macro side of things. Mm-hmm. Where, is the, where is the intermediate trend? And when I say intermediate trend, I'm looking out 90 days. Okay. okay? That gives me a true trend. A trade is, say, three days. All right. Okay, or three you know, shorter periods. Um, a long-term trade is three weeks. Okay. 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 A trade. A okay. trade. You're okay. you're looking to buy here, sell there. Okay. Okay. A trend. If you're a long-term investor, you're looking at that that ninety-day trend or three-month trend. Okay? okay. It gives me a true commitment to where the market is going, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, 
so I look at where those trends are and I, I look at it both from, you know, from the stocks to the bonds to the economic fundamentals, job creation, um, uh, everything. And I apply that. And when I start to see those trends break down, I then make some decisions about where we're going in the intermediate trend, the next 90 or so days. And what that tells me is, like, for instance, back in September, or the first of September or so, it was telling us we're running out of steam. The locomotive is run, run out of coal, mm-hmm. and we're starting to hit that uphill. Okay. Uphill. Okay. So we take that information, and you rebalance your portfolios. You take your profits. I mean, nobody complains about no. taking profits. And I mean, if you got to write a check to the IRS for for those profits, I know you don't. But if it's in a four k one k, you don't. Well, or an or IRA an IRA, or, yeah, or a qualified okay. account, yeah, you don't. Wait a second, you 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 you've 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 said something. Having been a financial advisor, you're managing four hundred one ks on a ninety day scale. No, so four hundred one k world is different from okay. individual re. Biz, retail. Uh, okay. okay. So we have two books of business. All right. Four hundred one k is guide. It's it's management over the day to day operations of the port. You know of the plan, mm-hmm. all your RISA, DOL, IRS guidelines, all that kind of thing. Okay. So we got a team member who focuses on that. Melt your brain when it comes to uh, government law when it pertains to four hundred one ks. We advise on the lineup of that portfolio. We guide people. When they come to me and say, Trent, I don't know what to do with our investments in my 401k, am I properly allocated in relation to my goals and my risk tolerance? You know, and all that's that. a that's a bit that that that's a very good point because the question I ask you, are you managing a 401k on a 90-day basis, isn't really practical because if you've got 200 people in that 401k, you have 200 different circumstances. You have multiple ages, you have different levels to, or time levels to retirement, as opposed to a 30-year-old who has, so yeah, okay, I understand that. But here's the thing that bugs me about my industry when it comes to 401ks. It's a long-term investment. You take it out after you retire, or when you retire, you use it as income, that kind of thing. But right. it's not something that you just sign up for and forget about. And forget about it. God help you. <laughs> because <laughs> that is so important. Because that is what I looked at today was somebody signed this up 10, 15 years ago, selected the investments and never, never made, gave it another thought. Never gave it another thought. And there's wow. there's like in my opinion there's risk all over this this plan. So wait a second. So okay. if if my, one of our viewers has a 401k mm-hmm. and they work for a major corporate, corporation and they've been working for them for 15, 10 years, whatever, yeah. what should they do? Um, I, I think they should understand their plan from the perspective of... I mean, who do they contact? If they, if they, want, if they want to sit down with somebody and say, uh, what, is it, what, what do I have and what is my performance and how is that performance relative to 
other investments right. over the past. So how does that happen? So uh, if you're an employee, the first step is go to HR and say, listen, I need some guidance on my 401k. The first thing they should say is, I can't give it to you because I'm not licensed and it's okay. not our position. That's important to okay. know. If, Your HR person can't give you advice. If they say, oh, I'll tell you what to do. Yeah, turn and run. <laughs> well, they just, they're they're walking down a very slippery slope. Okay. okay? <clears throat> um, they should give you a the advisor who is on the plan and or the number. You contact them, tell them what you, you know, um, I need some advice on my retirement plan. Can you give it to me? Okay. Now, there are two levels of advisors in the 401k world. There's the um, advisor who can give specific advice. Okay. Allocation advice. And then there's the generalist advisor who can't give that. And this has something to do with their level of their license. What? Well, it's how they signed on to the plan, their oh. risk element. So... I'm a, I can be a 321, ERISA 321 advisor, which means I'm co That's ERISA. Uh, don't ask me what that <laughs> about is. That I know acronym. what it is, it's employee yeah. retirement, whatever. Yeah. Um, but what it is, is I'm, my team and I are co-fiduciaries on this plan. What is a fiduciary? Meaning I, uh, ha I have to, I act in the best interest of my client. I am legally um, liable Okay. For the investment decisions and uh, decisions and that, advice that, that you give that the employee takes on. Okay. So if, now there's some guidelines there that safe harbor things that help protect us, but we have to meet those safe harbor things to get us, you know, basically protect us from you suing me for your bad decisions to right. neglect your portfolio. Okay. 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 So. What so you contact your advisor, the advisor of the four hundred one k plan, and he he or she says, yeah, I can meet with you. Um, they want number one, they should ask, they should de, you know define what your risk tolerance is, what your goals are, what your time frame is, get to know you. Okay, okay. all right, this is they're getting paid. Mm -hmm. All right, they're getting paid to give you advice. Now, if it's a generalist kind of advisor. And you're, you fill out their risk tolerance questionnaire, um, it, and it says you're a moderate allocated you know, person. Right. He can only tell you, he or she can only tell you that you can invest, a moderate is a 60-40 split. 60% stocks or equities, 40% bonds. Okay. Okay. If that's all he can tell you, you, most people will take that information, they will go to the fund lineup, and they will go through the funds and go, which ones performed the best? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So you're you're buying on past returns. Okay. Okay. So which so okay. So there's <laughs> no indication of future performance. So, right. So last year, you know, your large cap growth was yeah. up uh, 20, 30 percent. You bought that. And depending if the plan is properly managed or not properly managed, you may have more than just one choice in large cap growth. Oh. You may have three choices. Okay. Behavior studies tell us that you will buy all three of those large cap growth funds, okay? Right. In there in your plan and that will become 60% of your portfolio. Right. What you don't understand is all three of those own the same stocks. Own the same stocks <laughs> and and they got the same risk. Right. You're not diversified. Okay. Okay. A true 
401k advisor can will walk you through a true asset allocation. Okay. If you're starting out in these, if you're literally one of those people, I just want to set it and forget it. There are things called target date funds. Okay. Yeah. These were created yeah. back in early 2000s after remember the that. tech bubble. Right. And what they are is they're designed to, um, if you, so for instance, I'm uh, 51 and let's say I, I'm going to retire in 2035, which I'd be about 66 or so. Okay. So that's 2035 here. Today's 2020. Uh, it's more of a moderate, aggressive allocation. As I get closer, closer to, to that, becomes more and more conservative. Most target date funds, though, anticipate you're going to live 20 years beyond okay. 65. Okay. So say 85. Uh, 85. 85. Okay. Yeah. And you are not. In your behavior in the past has demonstrated you're not going to readjust this portfolio on a quarterly basis. You're not going to reactively scale down the risk. So it's doing it for you. Yeah. So when you get to 2035, and this is where like in 20 uh, or uh, 2007 to 2009, 2010 target date funds, meaning the retirement year of 20, people assumed that 2010 fund was all cash and a couple, you know, bond exposure. Yeah, yeah. So you shouldn't have, you know, gotten hammered, hammered too, bad. too bad. But you did because they didn't read the fine print. Okay. Because that 2010 fund is really allocated to more of a 2030 fund. I see. It's more of a moderate it's allocation. Because it's going to not only take you to retirement, but through retirement. Through retirement. So there's, okay. there are very few target date funds that are to retirement. Okay. Okay. So that's your 401k. Yeah. A lot of my viewers have a 401k, and I think that was perfect advice for them. Then they also want to invest on their own. Yes. That be, because I am of the opinion, if you're an employee, you need another gig. You need a side gig yeah. that, that you're running through a sole proprietorship, a, a, a partnership, or an LLC and you're collecting money, and you're managing that money, and that's outside your your 401k. Yep. My, if you're an active participant, my strategy is I don't want diversification. Diverse, if I'm actively watching the market, I know in, and I can anticipate with some certainty, particularly if I belong to this tribe, as to what is going to happen and I'm actively managing my own portfolio. I don't like diversification. I do not want to own oil right now. No. I don't want to own energy. I don't want to own retail. So I'm not diversification. But in my 401k, if I'm a 50-year-old or a 30-year-old, I probably have some of that. Right. Well, uh, unfortunately, you're all your large cap, you know, large, large cap growth, large cap, uh, or excuse me, Large cap growth, mid cap growth, small cap growth, they're all heavy tech. Yes. Okay. So you don't like diversification. No. But your big six are a form of diversification. Because? Of what they do. So yeah. one of those, mm -hmm. it's a jungle in reference. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah. Down in South America. That is a company... That's a retail company. No, but, uh, Hold on. That thrived yes. during the worst. 
drive during the pandemic. Yes. Okay. Compared to the automaker. Yes. I didn't go anywhere. So I didn't need a car. So I'm not going to buy a new car. So you and I have had this discussion before. And you, you're, <laughs> you're, you're diversified very on a micro level. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, they're all connected because they're in, they're in the technology. In every the, mutual fund ETF right. index ever, right? Right. So how can you, who believes 100% in tech, okay, mm -hmm. that's going to change your world. That's going to change how you live. You're going to live longer. You and I will be having this conversation when you're 210 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's be, my book over there, Lifespan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll be, I mean, technology is going to change it. Right. But there's different, you can diversify within technology. Okay. 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 So there's software, there's hardware, there's, you know, there's all this different technology. Okay. And you can diversify in that. And by building a diversified portfolio within technology, let's say, First of all, I'm not advocating you do this. I'm just saying if you're- It can be done. Yes, I, this is not advice. This is just my opinion. I got a disclosure Here, the whole see that? Right? I got a compliance department. <laughs> so my point is go diversify within that sector and then apply risk management strategies to this, okay? So there will be companies that are going that tanked today based on Trump's uh, announcement. Yeah, right. Right off the bat, I own I own the big six. Mm -hmm. Well, except for one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, they all took a hammering. One of yep. them was down two and a half or so percent. Yep. Okay. But my other software positions, my other uh, transportation positions, and my exposure to say the treasury market balanced that out okay they are not as high beta some of my technology positions are like low beta positions okay. that are software that are um uh information security now you all can't this. you can't tell us those names because you're your compliance doesn't allow you to, but if you want those names, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to just tell you this, whether he likes it or not, I'm going to put his name and his phone number and, yeah. and, and his, uh, website and, and email address in the description. So if you want some specific information on how you can diversify in tech, I encourage you to contact him. Yeah. Don't contact me. <laughs> contact him. Yeah. Tune in tomorrow for the next episode.